Well, when you have a toddler in your house, you find out pretty quickly there's a very big difference between baby-proofing your home and toddler-proofing your home. Baby-proofing, yeah, sure, you put the little outlet covers on the outlets. Maybe you move some fragile stuff out of crawling and reaching range. You put some of those pads on the corners of your coffee table. Make sure there are no small pieces uh, or things at floor level. Toddler-proofing. <laughs> It's a whole different ball game. Those things you thought you put high enough? Nope. Toddler pushes a chair, climbs onto the chair, reaches them. Those things you thought weren't that fragile and, and probably wouldn't break and, and surely wouldn't be enticing enough to want to play with, so you didn't need to put them away. Nope. Todd, uh, uh, they, they become toys somehow and, in fact, are breakable. Those snacks you put on the pantry, the, on the highest shelf, nope, toddler will climb the shelves and get to them. In our house, we finally had to put a special lock on our pantry door <laughs> to prevent access to it completely. If you didn't know someone had a toddler and you went to their house, you might wonder what in the world was going on with some of their decorating choices object placement or hardware accessories. But there's more there than meets the eye. A toddler determined to get to the places and things that we think are locked, hidden, secure. They will show up where they want to show up regardless of what stands in their way. You know, it's, it's a lot like that with the risen Christ too. Fear, locked doors, doubts, but there's more there than meets the eye. Because with every locked door, living in fear, wrestling with doubts person, there is the risen Christ who has a habit of showing up anyway, determined to get in and have us. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, so that we might bear fruit for you in your kingdom and live as your Easter people. As we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, continuing with uh, resurrection accounts of, of Jesus, beginning with verse 19. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, or the twin, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hand, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus replied, do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll, but these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, the more and more I read the Easter stories in Scripture, the, the more two things become clear. First, it's hard for people to understand, believe, and live like God raised Jesus from the dead. And second, the risen Christ keeps showing up. Let's rewind to last week. Mary Magdalene gets to the tomb, sees it's empty, thinks Jesus' body was stolen. Not that he was raised. She has her doubts. Then the risen Christ shows up, but she doesn't know it's him at first. She thinks that he's the gardener. But Jesus persists and he calls her by name and and then tells her to go tell, tell the rest of the disciples. She does. She tells them, I've seen the Lord. And yet, we find the rest of those disciples a week later hunkered down hiding behind locked doors. Not exactly a strong indication that they really believed Jesus was alive. They have their doubts. And yet, the risen Christ shows up again despite the locked doors and the fear. He stands among them and says, peace be with you. Shows them his hands and his side. So that they can trust that not just that he is risen, but that he is risen. Of course, one of the disciples wasn't there, Thomas. And they tell Thomas uh, the same thing Mary told them earlier. Hey, we've seen the Lord. Thomas says, stop with this delusional denial coping strategy. Unless I see his hands and his his side, I'm not going to believe. He has his doubts. And then a week later, guess what? The The risen Christ shows up again for Thomas and shows him his hands and his side. And Thomas can only cry out, my Lord and my God. It's hard for people to believe God raised Jesus from the dead and the risen Christ keeps on showing up. Ah, Thomas, doubting Thomas, right, as he's most often called. His name literally means twin, which is appropriate because maybe we're supposed to see ourselves in some way as his twin. Maybe we're supposed to see ourselves like all the disciples in this story. I mean, they have their doubts too. We've all got our doubts. They're just reflected in in different ways. There's intellectual doubt and there's practical doubt. The intellectual doubt is represented by Thomas. First century people were were not scientists, but they knew that dead people don't rise to life. The whole idea runs counter to our expectation based on everyday lived experience. 
Intellectual doubt is the kind of doubt that focuses on claims that we might struggle to rationally grant as true. Jesus has risen from the dead? Really? Did that really happen? I mean, is that really verifiable? Is that really possible? There must be another, there must be another explanation. Nothing like that has ever happened. It doesn't fit the paradigm of scientific method. We all experience this kind of doubt in our own ways in the different seasons in our, in our lives where we find it really hard to believe something about God or, or just God in general because we can't intellectually verify or process or wrap our minds around a particular claim or event. At least not in the same way we can see and prove that water when heated turns to steam or 2 plus 2 equals 4. Add to all that the intellectual work Thomas was having to do to try to move on from the man he had followed for three years suddenly being crucified. Sometimes we, we struggle with that too. In our intellect, to make sense of God when we've experienced something traumatic and are trying to cope with it. But perhaps we we forget too easily that this is actually a form of doubt that we see all throughout the gospel stories of resurrection. A Christian is someone who believes that God raised Jesus from the dead, yes, and yet never has this belief not been accompanied by some doubt. It's there from the very beginning with people like Thomas. At times, this kind of doubt can seem like a locked door that just will never open for people who are not believers. Or a locked door that shouldn't be opened for people who consider themselves believers because Christians aren't supposed to have doubts, right? Now, the other kind of doubt is practical doubt. The practical doubt is the other disciples hiding behind locked doors in fear. It's behavioral. Practical doubt might intellectually say or or assent to the claim that Jesus rose from the dead, but the life bears no evidence of this. Mary told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. They may have believed her, but if they did, wouldn't you think they'd be living different? Wouldn't you think they would not be hiding behind locked doors, scared stiff, if Jesus conquered death? This is the kind of doubt manifests when a person lives as though Jesus did not rise from the dead. Their life bears no evidence that Jesus is alive. On the third day, he rose from the dead. We might recite in the creed, but then what difference does that make? Does it cause you to live without fear? To love more selflessly, to practice joy, to live with grace and not deserve, to embrace wider and more openly, to align priorities with Jesus' mission? The other disciples are behind the, the locked doors of practical doubt. And we often are too, as individuals and, and even as the church. See, Thomas doesn't just miss the actual risen Jesus. He also misses seeing in his fellow disciples evidence of the risen Jesus. You've seen the risen Lord? What are you doing here? 
intellectual doubt and practical doubt, both in their own way a seemingly locked door. It's often hard for us to understand, believe, live like Jesus was raised from the dead. Just like it was for them. I don't always act or even think like a Christian. And yet it was to these people, this church, to people just like them and us, that the risen Christ appeared. To the church of doubts, fears, and locked doors. The good news, the hope, is that the risen Christ keeps on showing up anyway. He showed up behind the locked doors after the disciples heard the news from Mary. When Mary tells them about Jesus, are they overjoyed? Do they run to the garden to try to find Jesus? No, Jesus has to go find them. And he does. Even behind locked doors and practical doubt. The risen Christ shows up anyway, determined. When Thomas isn't there and they tell him the news, how does Thomas react? Is he overjoyed and comforted? No, he's intellectually skeptical. Another kind of locked door, one with demands and, and proof. But Jesus appears again behind all of this for Thomas. Because with every locked door, living in fear or wrestling with doubts person, there is the risen Christ who has a habit of showing up anyway, determined to get in and have us. If a tomb can't keep the life of Jesus in, then why in the world would we think for a second that our fears or doubts could keep the life of Jesus out? The same Jesus who burst forth from the tomb is the same Jesus that we'll find a way through even in the midst of our fears and doubts. The Jesus who endured the horror and the pain of the cross out of love for us and bears the scars to prove it is the same Jesus strong enough, loving enough to handle our doubts. Friends, the hope we have, the good news of Jesus' resurrection is not that, that we will see and understand and find the risen Christ as much as the risen Christ sees, understands, and finds us. Retired uh, Methodist pastor and bishop Will Willimon tells a story of his time at Duke as a campus minister uh, when he had a conversation with a student who came up to him and matter-of-factly stated that, that he had taken a philosophy class and had decided that all this Christianity stuff was just a bunch of hooey. He didn't believe and had even written his home church and asked to have his name taken off the roll to make it official. Will said, yeah, a lot of people think like that when they're sophomores in college. We'll see. We'll see what, the student responded. Well, we'll just see, Will replied. No, no, I'm really serious about this. I've decided about this. The student was firm. Will, again, just said, fine, good, good for you. It's, it's, it's just hard to know how God might play this. Well, the student was getting frustrated. What? My, my life is mine to decide how I want to live it. And Will smiled. Everybody thinks that when they're 19. But, but just remember, as, as, as you live your life, keep, keep looking over your shoulder because God's got ways. God's got determination. For what I've seen, God's determined to have you. Friends, this resurrection story 
is just more proof that God is determined to have us. The New Testament is clear that Jesus' resurrection is a vindication, a validation of his life. If that's the case, then that means resurrection is a vindication of God's stubbornness. God's life and love refuse to stay dead. God's life and love refuse to let sin and evil have the last word. Resurrection is Jesus refusing to stay in the tomb. Resurrection is the exclamation point then on a God who stubbornly refuses to stop looking for and showing up for God's beloved. The risen Christ with the scars is the same Christ who said God was like a woman determined to find a lost coin or a shepherd determined to find that lost sheep. And so this story, indeed Easter, resurrection, is about a victorious God who simply refuses to let us be. Whether we have doubts or not, whether we're locked inside of something or not, it doesn't matter. Our doubts and fears can no more keep the risen Christ away than death could keep him in the grave. In fact, in fact, maybe honest doubt, having a, spa- a safe space for it, gives permission for the risen Christ to show up. Maybe Jesus showing the disciples, including Thomas, the scars of his hands inside isn't just to prove that it's really him, but also to show that the one who was able to handle the cross and grave might just be strong enough to be able to handle our doubts too. Maybe, like theologian Karl Barth once said, any attempt to understand God, including a God who raised Jesus from the dead, has to begin with astonishment and wonder. And astonishment and wonder always have a a little bit of doubt mixed in. And astonishment and wonder come with experience. Not facts and rational explanations. In the middle of our doubts, Jesus doesn't give us facts or explanations. He gives us an encounter with himself. The risen Christ shows up, determined to have us. Viewing us not accusingly, but with love and compassion, guiding our hands toward his scars. Put put your hands here. Experience me and my love. Trust. And he's willing to appear again and again and again, no matter what kinds of doors, locks, fears, doubts are there, until we, like Thomas, finally can only just say, my Lord and my God. You've got your doubts. You've got your fears. Friends, Jesus keeps appearing. That's why you're here. Some way this scripture has been repeated in your heart and life. Or it's in the process of. Somehow the risen Christ has gotten through. Or is trying right now. That's our hope. Because you can't force belief any more than you can force resurrection. Both have a way of finding us. Toddler proofing a home comes with mixed results. Sometimes rather rather than being a deterrent, it's an invitation 
for a two-year-old with determination. So be careful. Because you can't Jesus-proof your life either. Fears, doubts, uncertainties do not make us Jesus-proof. In fact, they might even be an invitation for the risen Christ to show up again and again and again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.